anyways, uh, we'll go ahead and get started, and uh, we'll pray and, uh, and get started. Father, thank you so much for your grace, your love, and, and um, this incredible mercy. Father, I ask that you would uh, be with us during this time we have together. As uh, we talk about and um, really ask us, Lord, to, to help us to uh, help spiritually form our students, Lord, to be there for them and to uh, encourage them to, uh, to learn to love God and, and love one another, Father. Uh, help us to be a part of that process. And uh, we pray, Father, that we have a good discussion about what that looks like uh, in our churches and in our communities, Father. So help us, pray, Lord, that the Spirit will guide of the things that uh, that we say today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so um, this afternoon we're talking about uh, uh, until Christ is formed in students, and more specifically, uh, spiritual formation in students. Uh, my name is Walter Pierce, and uh, I am the youth minister currently at Melbourne Church of Christ in Melbourne, Florida. And... Uh, in about a month, I'll be moving into pulpit ministry as the uh, pulpit minister of the, of the Lakeview Church in Chicago, Illinois. Um, so I'm looking at this as kind of my last salvo as a, <laughs> as a youth minister so I can throw a bomb and then leave it for other people to clean up. <laughs> um, but anyways, I think it is crucial and important um, in my view, in terms of youth ministry, this is the most important work that we do, is helping our students become formed in the image of Jesus Christ. And I think it relates to all of the things that we, we discuss in terms of discipleship and why are our members mature spiritually and evangelism and all of the things that we, you know, church loss and how we're losing generations, it's all related to that. Um, I believe, because our students oftentimes have no reason to stay. And part of it is, as uh, part of our formation in Christ is we give them a reason to stay because they have a connection with God. So, um, This is from Renovare, the uh, website. Uh, some of you may be familiar, familiar with it. It's uh, Richard Foster and, and others of that ilk have um, Richard Foster was the author of Celebration of Discipline and is kind of the one who runs the uh, organization. It's a nonprofit organization that's uh, dedicated to helping Christians um, lean into disciplines and, and spiritual formation. So they define it on their website. This is a good definition I found. It says spiritual formation is a process, but it is also a journey through which we open our hearts to a deeper connection with God. We are not bystanders in our spiritual lives. We are active participants with God who is ever inviting us into relationship with him. And so uh, hopefully we can have some discussion. What is it, what are some of the key terms that you see as we, uh, as you look at that definition? If you even accept this as a fair definition of what it means to be formed in Christ, what are some of the key words you see there? Just kind of as it, as it uh, jumps out. Journey. journey, yeah. We are not bystanders. We are not bystanders, yeah. Anything else? Active participants. Active participants, yeah. It is, so those two things I think are important. Process and journey. It's not something that is um, overnight. Mm -hmm. 
It's not something that is going to, hey, just come to a couple Bible classes and you know maybe a couple of youth group events, and all of a sudden you will be uh, just like Jesus magically, right? Um, it doesn't work that way. It's a journey, and that journey has twists and turns. It has directions that we don't foresee oftentimes. Um, if somebody had looked at my journey at 20, where I was in that process, it would have looked very different than, uh, than, than maybe where I am now, than where I am now. And so uh, it's a journey, and we are not bystanders. And one of the things I'll be emphasizing specifically is, not just with youth ministries, but, but with churches specifically, is that we have to be active. As my favorite uh, general manager, I'm a big NBA fan, Pat Riley would say, I'm a Heat fan, you know, we cannot, we have to be active participants in our own rescue. We have to be active participants in this process of helping our students and helping ourselves grow into the image of Jesus Christ. Because the goal isn't, well, we'll get to that. Uh, first of all, I want to start with this. Every person, every person receives a formation based on the decisions and priorities we place in our lives. Um, as Americans, we're formed into a type of person. You know, we think about being, we're in, we value individualism, freedom, we value materialism, and, and uh, independence. Some of the things we talk about, all of those things that we look at as slogans, they form and shape us into the type of people that we become. Those are things that we value as what, mean, what success means because we teach and we proclaim that those are the things that we need to place our value in and the things that we need to uh, prioritize. Um, this, is a, this can be a tool, this is a cell phone, um, this could be a tool of spiritual formation. It can either be something that allows you to have access to information and to connect with the world, or it can be a tool that is used to help you deconnect, de, uh, to get away from the world, and to totally uh, um, enter into a sense of, 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 you know, just radical individualism. Um, I mentioned I was moving to Chicago, and so uh, my wife is uh, is a big. Uh, we'll, we'll be about a mile away from Wrigley Field, mm -hmm. and uh, my wife is a native of St. Louis. So she's going to be trying to form us into a family of Cardinals fans in the midst of a culture of Chicago Cubs fans. And so we have to have the same kind of mentality in terms of, uh, of what it means to be spiritually formed. And every decision we make, we make a decision to say, I want my child to do A in terms of, you know, I value what's happening at school or what's happening at church. That's forming. Um, all of those decisions are, are there. All of that is a part of that. So a question is what kind of formation will we receive? So everybody does it. Everyone from Adolf Hitler to Mother Teresa. Hopefully, you know, we're towards one of those ends and not the other. Yeah. But all of us receive a formation of some sort. And all of us have had that. All of us become a person because of of, uh, of how people may have spoken into us. We'll talk more to how, they, how we're formed. But all of us are formed into the people that we are. Um, 
And so the question is, what kind of formation will we receive? Who will we become as a result? And um, what kind of role will we play as not just being bystanders? Uh, just kind of a little bit uh, in terms of theologically, we'll look at these uh, um, two verses, both from, um, from the writings of Paul. Uh, Galatians chapter 4, verses 19 and 20 says, My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth, until Christ is formed in you. How I wish I could be with you now and change my tone, because I am perplexed about you. Um... In Galatians, of course, there's this battle that Paul is, is uh, trying to fight and, and trying to, to emphasize about really not being Christ plus, but understanding that uh, we, we need our formation to come not from our works or from our ability to obey the law, but through Jesus Christ. And so throughout that whole book, it is uh, that battle and that tension uh, going on between are we uh, saved by the works of the flesh? Are we saved by uh, the Spirit of Christ? And, um, and so in this, in Galatians chapter 4, he talks about how he is in pain and anguish until Christ will be formed in us. This was a goal that he had uh, for, the, for the churches in, in, uh, in Galatia. And then Romans 8, 28, 29, which of course is the standard kind of uh, chapter about sanctification. It says, For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. We know, and to go back to verse 28, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. So it is a priority of our faith, a priority of who we are as followers, excuse me, of Jesus Christ to be conformed to the image of Jesus, to be conformed to the image of his son. Um, let me see if you agree with this. I kind of threw this just together. Uh, but therapy, community, entertainment, knowledge, service projects, education, dating advice, sexual chastity, money management, morality, and even spiritual practices, theology, and experiences can all be created, taught, and received outside of the body of Christ. However, only the church can be a part of Christ being formed in students. I honestly really believe that. Um, that we play, the church is the place where people learn to be, become like Christ. All of these things, and if we think about it, and I've, I've thought about it in the past, all of us, those, those of us who are in youth ministry, um, or even if you're not, if you've taught kids of any type, this is a lot of times the things that our parents expect us to teach, that we teach, that, um, that we focus on. And all of those things, honestly, you could teach those things, but they're really just works at the end of the day. They're not in and of themselves going to necessarily um, allow us to become like Jesus Christ. They're all good things, 
none of these things are bad. And they do they can play a role, but um, just teaching those things in and of themselves without it being a part of uh, becoming like Jesus is um, that is the key that we need to, to, to that is what we're focused on, not necessarily just the works there. So do you agree with that? I don't I don't want to necessarily throw that off or you know just say, hey, you know. Don't trust me. What do I know? Just <laughs> All right. I thought about this image kind of of how we look at sort of how we educate our students and how we talk to them and how we, uh, how we look at education. And um, this, of course, at the top here is an assembly line of Model Ts. And uh, down here at the bottom is a custom-made Ford Mustang. Uh, they're both Fords. They're all Fords, right? But um, I guess I probably could have done more modern, like yeah. Ford assembly lines. But anyways, that's just to make the point that this was kind of the beginning of the sort of mass production. Yeah. It's kind of the symbol of what it means to be a mass-produced car. And a lot of times, often, our, our attempts at helping our students become like Jesus are more in terms of the mass production and not looking at it as a custom-made car. Custom-made, I mean mass productions, we focus on efficiency. We focus on numbers, on events, on creating repeatable and predictable experiences. Uh, we focus on classroom education and a set curriculum. And uh, none of those things are bad, and, and in, in certain instances they can be uh, very, very effective. But I think we need to see spiritual formation as an individual, slow, unique, relational, attentive process. Every student that comes in our presence, that we're blessed to be a part of our body, we need to see as a student who can potentially become like Jesus. And um, that we want to, and, and that we should approach in this slow, unique, attentive, relational uh, way. I was in a class that talked about um, small church earlier. And uh, these are some of the benefits that some of our smaller churches have. Mm -hmm. That you can have this process. And uh, sometimes it's more difficult. This becomes very easy. There, there are large churches that do this, the slow thing, very well. But it takes a lot of organization, it takes a lot of planning, it takes a lot of division into groups of groups of groups of groups. Um, and, and so this oftentimes becomes easier for those of us who are larger uh, churches who, affect, who expect instant results or something that we can instantly see as a success. Uh, but this is the process of really what it looks like uh, personal person uh, follower of Jesus on follower of Jesus, encouraging one another to become like, uh, like Christ. It's a slow, unique, attentive, relational uh, relation, uh, process. And by the way, please, it's just raise your hand if you have any questions or if you say something that, if I say something that you may not agree with or, or what have you, just let me know. 
The first method is the path that we have to youth groups and youth group members. The second method is the path to Christ-formed students. And a lot of times, I've fallen into the trap. So this is, I'm like talking and preaching to the choir, and to not the choir, to me, in many respects, is that the first method can lead to youth groups, youth group members, uh, you know, these great events that people talk about into the numbers that our elders and our, our, our parents see as success. But really, uh, the second method of seeing um, is, is what better helps to, to form our students to be like Jesus Christ, that we treat them and we see them in an individual way. And uh, go ahead. Well, I was gonna say what you said earlier, like when you were, I think you said when, back when you were 20. Yeah. And like, I have so many students come through that their background and work, I'm, I'm in campus ministry, so they're yeah. already in college, but mm -hmm. where they're at, they're all over the place as far as what they've been exposed to. Yeah. And, and so if you don't do it individually, if you just try to do it that mass production, and, and sometimes when the numbers are big, you, you get kind of pushed into that sometimes, and you have yeah. to realize, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, right. I need to spend more time with yes. this person. And some people may need more, more time than others and you know, may not have the support that they have. And there's different needs that may be addressed in different ways that, that need to be addressed in different ways. But, um, and so part of it is what ministry really is. But sometimes we fall into the pattern of not wanting to do what ministry really is. So good. Thank you so much for that. Another way to say this is you know, we want people... Uh, we want them to become uh, disciples. All right. So um, just for uh, uh, a couple minutes, just for, for some comments, what, how can the church help students become formed in the image of Christ? How can the church help students become formed in the image of Christ? One of the things we just started, um, yeah. we, we have uh, small groups in our church, mm -hmm. and then we had our college group, so um, on Sunday nights, we one of the home groups comes to our campus ministry, and we have a meal together uh, with our students, and then we talk about the, the sermon that was preached that morning, okay. like a small, more in-depth Bible study. Okay. And what it's done is it's connected those college students with our uh, members at church that are um, somewhat a little bit, you know, a good bit older. Mm -hmm. But it's allowed them to make those relationships, which has allowed them to uh, grow and, and see men and women who are formed in the image of Christ and yeah. been through a journey already, and then right. they help mentor those guys and disciple them. Yeah. So, what else? What are some other things that may that maybe us as, as churches we can do? And then I've got a few ideas of ideas that I've stolen. Um, yeah. Well, in our church, we have this. Yeah. And our youth minister has had um, devotionals, and we, the seniors, or whoever will, will fix a meal, and then we go and um, eat with them um, once a month for the devotional so that we can learn their names, we can know about them, yeah. and so that when we pass in the hallway, we are not just, they're just kids. Yeah. These are our kids. These right. are our grandchildren. Yes. And I want to know them. Yeah. We as a body need to know these kids yeah. and what makes them tick, you know. Yeah. How are you expropriated? You look right. at them in the eyes, sometimes they come to the church to tears by your parents or 
yeah. boys and girlfriend problems, whatever they are. And if we're not looking at them, right. we're going to lose them. Yeah, one of the things that I, I well, we used to have a rule in St. Louis. We had a group of kids who came. Um, I was at a church that was uh, in the city of St. Louis. Um, and uh, one of those churches, the location was kind of unique because a couple blocks south were, uh, was where Barnes Jewish Hospital was, so very wealthy physicians. And uh, just a, uh, a Central West End, which was a very ritzy kind of part of town. A couple blocks north was very, uh, very uh, poor part of St. Louis. And um, so anyways, we had a couple, we had some folks that came from the north side um, into our church. And um, I used to always, and one of the rules that we set down was, these are kids, they're not used to the culture of church. And so um, they may do, they may get up at times, we don't want them to get up, right? Yeah. <laughs> Walk around and that kind of stuff. And so one of the rules we set down is, if you don't know, a child's name, you don't have a right to correct them and to test them and change them. It doesn't have yeah. to be children that don't know church. It can be our Adult, children right. that get up and walk around. Right, 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 right. So right. it's just the teenage yeah. or, you know, they, they're just kids. Right, and that's, and, and but related even to that, there's teenagers who have grown up in, in our church who some of the adults don't know their names. Yeah. And that is yeah. in that relationship. And so we have a responsibility uh, to do better with that. Um, and to not just say it's the, you know, it is, you know, it is the parents' responsibility, but some parents aren't from a Christian background. You have a lot of kids whose parents aren't Christian. Well, even if they are, and even if they are. parents are doing the right thing. Right, exactly. That's where, that's where I was gonna go next, exactly. No, 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 this is a group, we, we needed to be a group discussion. Yeah. So, um, because I'm not coming with the answers, this is the stuff that we need to know and, and say how can we implement, what can we do a little differently. And so I'm just coming with some ideas of what we can do intentionally. But all of that is true, is that, you know, a lot of times our parents aren't equipped to uh, do this work. So the church, is, the body has to step in. And we need to know what the family situation is. And helping those kids, it's also helping the children, because if the parents aren't equipped, then yeah. how can the church help the parents become equipped yeah. with the body, from the body too? Right. So those kids aren't going to be helping no matter what. Usually it's if the parents don't step up. Right, right. And so you're right, there's fighting that culture, the, the culture of home. And so that's a, a, a pivotal part of it, it's true. Um, so I told you I uh, stole some ideas in terms of what kind of what, how I've centered my ministry, and uh, some of you have already, y'all have already kind of talked about some of the things we've done uh, that you do that are similar to this, uh, but kind of the things that I think about with each of our students and helping them to become like Christ, and uh, some of the things that I do in my own life is, um, like I said, I stole this from, uh, uh, th this is from Luke chapter six, and I'll go ahead and read it, and, um, and we can talk about it a little bit where uh, kind of where I got these ideas from and kind of how it's helped me and uh, helped in our student ministry as well. Uh, one of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he also designated apostles. Simon, whom he named Peter, his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, 
James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. He went down with them and stood on a level place. A large crowd of his disciples was there, and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem and from the coastal region around Tyre and Sidon, who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by impure spirits were cured, and the people all tried to touch him, because power was coming from him and healing them all. So um, I have up here communion, community, and ministry, and uh, I really got it from an idea of uh, from the... Um, from the Catholic priest Henry Nowen, um, who's passed on uh, 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 now, but from a couple of his books, uh, Making All Things New, Life of the Beloved, and uh, an article from Solitude to Community to Ministry, um, is really kind of how I formulated how I think about Christian formation for our students. And uh, it's kind of summed up with communion with God. And if you notice, Jesus's pattern was, First of all, spending time with God. What are our students doing to have a direct connection with God? Um, community. Y'all have talked a lot about that. How are they building relationships within the body of Christ? Um, and are they doing that? And so this is the community, right? Jesus, Jesus wasn't just a lone ranger who came and, um, and built community with the 12 and beyond. And then ministry. Jesus, after he had a, a communion with God, a community, he went out and, and taught and healed people of their diseases and cured the people who um, cured the people who had impure spirits and who people who, who touched him were being healed. So you've got communion with God, so prayer, solitude, community a group of uh, the, the disciples, the apostles, and then ministry of uh, healing and, and teaching. So these are the three questions that I kind of, like I said, I stole from Henry Nowen, but he stole them from Jesus. Uh, how do we help our students spend time with Jesus? So these are kind of the questions. The first question that you know, we try to think about as churches is, how do we help our students spend time with Jesus? I uh, this oftentimes um, is a difficult thing, right? Um, but I, but it is imperative that in some way, as students, we teach our children, we teach our students to pray, we teach them to, to be in the Word, to have some kind of connection where they are hearing from God, whether it's in, and, um, because we're not the ones that are going to change them. You know, ultimately, if they're going to be formed in the image of Christ, that comes through the Holy Spirit. So how are we, what do we do to help them spend time with Jesus? And that may be teaching. John 15, um, I'm sure you all know, uh, talks about abiding with Christ, that Jesus is the vine and we are the branches. Out of Christ is where we, we live out of what he's doing within us. So part of that is, um, in terms of our own formation, is how do we help our students spend time with Jesus? Secondly, who can we connect our students to in order to help them become like Christ? Um, Acts chapter 2, of course, just talks about fellowship and community. 
And uh, some of you have talked about that, the connections that you can make between different um, um, parts of the body of Christ. And then thirdly, what will be their work both in the church and in the community? Um, every student has, been, has something that God has given them, a gift, a talent, um, something that they uh, can contribute. And, um, and so kind of as our students are entering into our ministry, but also as they're coming out, in uh, times in between, these are the three questions I'm always asking our kids, uh, talking to their parents about is, you know, are they spending time with God? Are they spending, are they, uh, who, are, who are they connected to? Who is, what are the things that they're doing in the community? What can they do differently in the church? And, um, and, and in the community, what kind of passion, what is their desire, uh, what is their ministry? You know, so this is kind of my way of centralizing what Jesus did or codifying it, you know, communion, community, ministry. And I think uh, in the research from like Sticky Faith and other places says that these are three key components of what helps our children to become like Christ and to remain faithful to Jesus as he stays. All these begin with spending time with Jesus. Yes. So how do we get our our students to believe that's a worthwhile endeavor? Yeah. Because they don't they don't think that's a worthwhile endeavor. Yeah, I think part of it is um, looking at everybody. So first of all, we have to know everyone's individual situation. But I think we have to do a better job in the church of giving our students a picture of the kingdom and what life is like with Jesus versus without. Um, our kids are growing up and are, we have grown up in America in a country of cultural Christianity. Right. So I think they see following Jesus is just like being like everyone else. And um, kids right now, students, one of the things that they're doing is they are um, this new, this, lad, this present generation, I think, are really rejecting some of the materialism and some of the things that previous generations have supported. And so I think we have to do a better job in the church of not just telling people to do good and be good, but that what you're doing is you are part of creating a kingdom that looks differently, that is not about just doing stuff for yourself, but this really, uh, um, so, so giving kids a kingdom vision of if, if, we, if you follow Jesus and you committed to the teachings and followings, follow, the, follow the teachings of Jesus, th this is what the world will look like versus what it looks like now. You know, so if you have a world where everybody decides they're going to do whatever they want to do and they refuse to follow the laws of God, these are going to be the consequences. This is what the world is looking. This is what it's looking like. People are self-centered. We, are, we struggle with relationship and community. You know, so what I try to do is to give kids a picture of this is what the, a, 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 the kingdom of God looks like. So it's a big picture. You know, we have to, yeah, we're looking at them as individuals, but we're also wanting them 
to be like Jesus because this is the big picture that that will create. I don't know if that helps, Mark, but that's kind of what I'm, that's what I kind of wanted to lead to. That's a great question, though. It's something I struggle with. Yeah. I was just thinking, when you minister to kids, but isn't it a youth and family ministry? Because if we're working with these kids and how to spend time with Jesus, is there our thoughts to the family time with Jesus? Yeah. So are there thoughts to family time with Jesus? Absolutely. So that's a... Right. You, you want these kids to pray individually, definitely. Yes. But you also want the families to take the lead, the dads, the moms. Yes. To take the lead, and this is we need time as a family with Jesus too. Yeah. And you know, you're not just going to get that church. Right. You, you have to start at home. Yeah. I, I'm including parents as part of the home. church. Yeah. I'm sorry. People in that yeah. church. I mean, because everybody's not going to know our kids like mom and dad. Yeah. You know, so they have to be. I don't know. In on this, yes, I, I get the whole church really. Yeah, it, it is that's part of the community, but this is a smaller part yes, of the community, yeah. and they have to the parents have to be included. Thank you for that, um, that help in terms of that. Yeah, of course, the, the parents, especially parents who are faithful. Yeah, um, the ones that aren't, you just have to work with those kids, right? Because I came yeah, to that's what, through my kids, my yeah. family that I married into, mm -hmm. used to pick my kids up and take them yeah. to church, and they come home with these cute little toys. And stuff. Yeah. You can win them that way, too, but when uh, you have the whole family, if that's what we're talking about yes. right now, then it's not just healing of the kid or helping the mm -hmm. kid. It's also the family if they're not, if they're playing. Yeah, so I should say, I'm, I'm putting, I, and I kind of have something in the end, but thank you for mentioning that. Uh, parents mm -hmm. are part of the community of the church. Yeah, absolutely. And parents are... The, the number one guide and the number one indicator is oftentimes parental example. So um, if parents aren't following yeah, a lot of times, you know, that's because you're right. I, and I'm thinking church more of not just what we do an hour on Sunday, but really the part of, of what it means to look like a community. But thank you for that help. Yes, I'm including parents as part of the church I'm assuming that they are, because, like I said, non-Christian non parents, um, you know, aren't going to be helpful much in terms right. of Christian Most formation. Kind of the yeah. Problem. We're not problem. Yeah. Method of working with kids. Yeah. So, and like I said, with any, um, you know, all of this is the process of the spirit, and that's the slow part, the journey part, because uh, this is just. Um, one just beginning framework that you can use. It could work, couldn't work. Um, some students respond more to community, some to service, some to this. Um, I think you need to have some aspect of all of them, at least. But um, all of them, you know, these are things that we could look for, at least, to begin to say, okay, you know, our, uh, how can we get our children in? Because these are the places where then God begins to work on us. When we serve others, that helps us to learn to be less of ourselves. Uh, when we're in community, that's what teaches us how to love. You know, um, when we spend time with God, that's how we learn to love God. So if, if a disciple is somebody who loves God, loves the community, loves one another, loves the world, these are the things that you get help you get to that point. Um, it doesn't just happen because we give uh, a Bible study or I tell you, hey, you go out and love God and love others. You know, there, have, there do have to be places where we put ourselves in position so that those things can happen.
Like if I don't, if, um, how can I say I love Austin and I don't know him, I'm not in any kind of community. So if we want our students and, our, and all of us, you know, this isn't just for kids, but for all of us to love, you know, part of that is being in a community. Uh, one of the unfortunate things, we've talked a lot about community and, and diversity and those kinds of things, is, um, is when we don't have that kind of community and we don't have a connection with one another. And unfortunately, a lot of our, what, what, what happens a lot of times, unfortunately, is because our students don't feel a connection to the church body, they withdraw. And we're a loss for it, and they're a loss for it. Because it's one less ability and one less opportunity to grow in love. Um, I'm preaching now, but <laughs> the church, you know, the church, I think, is the most, can be the most beautiful thing in the world. There is no other place where you can get people from two to 102 together, in all ages in between, in all kinds of backgrounds in between. And, um, and so part of it is, and, and you know, I came up at a time, I was in ministry for almost 18 years, that we did the silo thing, right? Putting the kids away in the corner, <laughs> in the back room, in the boiler room, <laughs> you know, so away from the adults. And our children aren't gonna learn how to love people who are different than them if they're not in situations where they're around people who are different than they are. Mm -hmm. They just learn to love 15 to 18-year-olds. And uh, 15 to 18-year-olds give horrible advice. And, uh, and you know, that's not gonna help us grow. Sometimes they help us. Sometimes they help us. Yeah, I'm, I'm being, yeah. Uh, I'm being, look, I have learned more from the kids that I've served than they have taught me, for sure, that I've taught them. Um, so these are some of the ways you can answer those questions. Um, you know, these are some of the practices that become part of that. Um, different people respond to different things. Um, you know, I think most of these things you know. Uh, I like, I like, um, I, I put inspirational stories, not just from people who are a part of the community, which I think is, is more important than what I'm going to say. But even, like, and, and you brought this up, Mark, in terms of the beauty of following Jesus and how do we teach that. It's just having kids read stories about Christians and what they've done. You used to, all right, so I put this out on the table. My mama is a, my mom is a, uh, grew up in the Catholic Church. And uh, a lot of the focus they have is the lives of the saints and kind of that, those, those stories of, of saints and all that kind of stuff. Uh, our Protestant background, we don't do that kind of stuff as much in terms of church history and teaching. Just these beautiful lives that come about. And, and think about it. Stories are so essential. Right now, our kids are invested in the stories, uh, the, the Marvel Cinematic story. It's not even a true one. <laughs> you know? It's like, but they've gotten into these heroic and flawed characters and people. And I wish, you know, there are ways we can introduce them to the stories. And we just think the stories of Jesus. I'm, I'm sorry to give you that. I didn't know what you No, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, uh, well, I'm, I'm just going on with what you said. Some of our youth ministers are into that, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, too. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I haven't seen it in game. No spoilers, please. No. But, um, okay. <laughs> But I mean, there's stories that they just assume, I think, a lot of times our kids do, that there are stories of Jesus and Christians that just happened in the first century. 
and then God hasn't been doing anything for the next, last 2,000 years. <laughs> and there's so many these awesome stories of missionaries and people who have gone to places that, you know, we can create Christian heroes that they can, uh, so that's part of the community part as well, so I got into that. Uh, but, you know, um, all of these things can be blessings for us, spiritual guides and mentors. I should have put parents here, uh, but uh, this problem and passion, um, helping our kids identify what is something they feel passionate that's wrong in the world, and what can they do to make a difference in it. You know, and, uh, and then some of the, this is just spiritual reading of the Bible, Lectio Divina, and uh, those kinds of things to help them answer. But I try to go through kid, through student, with students individually, of what, uh, try to find out from them, what are the ways that you've connected with God? When have you felt like you've been the closest to God? If it was at camp, okay, what was it at camp? Was it worship? Was it that time when we sung that song together? And try to help them lean more into that. You know, well, let's spend time, even if it's just going to school, putting on worship music on the way to school as a way to have God as a focus. Um, all of us will be formed into someone as the church, parents, grandparents, teachers, ministers, leaders, singles. I try to uh, put in as many people as I could. Uh, everybody, all ministry leaders, uh, paid staff, unpaid staff, no staff, whatever. Um, all of us need, we need all hands on deck in terms of being active presence in the lives of our students to help Christ be formed. Um, any other final questions or anything like that? Thank you guys for uh, for coming and uh, taking the time to do that. I appreciate it. And I uh, hope it was beneficial, at least helped us think a little bit. And, um, so is there anything that... Uh... And thank you for your questions and comments. I just think well, what you're saying is very much needed because I get all we, we lose a lot of kids from our high school youth groups that go to college. Mm -hmm. They don't a lot of them don't connect yeah. to a, a student ministry. Yeah. And we lose a lot. They just drop away because <coughs> like you said, they've been isolated away. Yeah. And they've never really Yeah. And this is actually what made me start in doing thinking about this a little bit. And uh, one of the things I do is, uh, with all of our college graduates, find out where they're going, get them connected to the college ministry in that area, wherever they're going. Um, we were talking, Steve and I were talking yesterday to, with Thomas Robinson, one of our students is going to NYU, New York University. So, hey, we're gonna connect with him. So they, they have a pretty good young adult ministry, I think, there, and say, hey, you know. And even if she doesn't connect with them, trying to find places where she can. You know, since uh, New York's a long way, we, we've got Gators for Christ, which oxymoron to, I'm, uh, <laughs> for me. But, uh, <laughs> but Donnie Dillon, who runs that, give him a little shout out at uh, yeah. UF. We have a lot of our students who go to UF and connected with Donnie, and they're able to get there. And so we've had some students who, even if they haven't, They've gone to church somewhere, even if they haven't been a part of that ministry. Yeah. And um, so, you know, as we have students who go to Orlando and other places, getting them connected to churches. So that's something that's become um, an important part of our ministry, that you get connected with something somewhere in college. So. 
Thank you again for your time. I know there's a, you know, a whole bunch of classes, but uh, thank you so much for, for coming. God bless you guys. And, uh, we are dismissed. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.